This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to start this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. A scripture I hope you all know. It's certainly something that we should know. It's certainly something that we should meditate on and become more and more aware concerning the things that it's telling us, as do all the letters written to the church. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Notice that phrase, in Christ. Now, the, the old things passing away are um, the spirit. The Bible says that God telling us about the new birth hundreds of years before it was available, said that he'd take the stony heart out of us and put in a heart of flesh and put in his spirit in us. That's just one way of saying that he's going to replace, through the new birth experience, replace the old dead spirit that was on the inside of us. And all things become new mean all spiritual things. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the, the new things he's talking about are the new things that belong to us because we are in Christ or born again, born into the family of God. But this phrase, in Christ, is referred to throughout the New Testament some 140 times. Now, it doesn't always say in Christ. Sometimes it says in him or in whom or by him or by whom or whatever. But the, the thought is still the same. 140 times throughout the New Testament, the Bible tells us something about what belongs to us because we become children of God, what belongs to us and who we are because of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. We know that God intended for man to rule the earth in his likeness and in his image. Genesis 126 says that God's plan was just that. Let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the works of our hands and over all the earth. God intended for man to have dominion on the earth. Now, God never changes. So if God meant that for the mankind in the beginning, he means that for mankind now. Amen? Amen. So God never changed. But we know what happened. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 summarizes it for us. It says, Wherefore, by one man, as by one man sin entered the world. He's talking about when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Now, death, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Remember, God told uh, Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat thereof of the tree that they were forbidden to eat of, they would surely die. Well, they didn't die physically that day. So we can't be talking about physical death. But they died spiritually. Their spirits became estranged or separated from God. So it says, wherefore... As by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death, spiritual death, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That word have is not in the original Greek. It's saying all sinned when Adam sinned. Now here's something that's difficult for us to... Well, it's not, I, I shouldn't say it's difficult for us to comprehend, but it's hard for us to gain understanding about. Because there are things in God's system. There are operations that God has established that are a little bit foreign to us. 
not so far into the Middle East because that's some of the same things that were instituted in the beginning still operate. But we're not used to one person carrying the weight for everybody. We're used to doing our own thing, carrying our own load, being our own people, and, and that type of stuff. But where it says death passed upon all men for all have sinned, literally for all sin, it's telling us, Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost. He's saying when Adam sinned, you sinned. Now to the Western mind, that doesn't seem right. I didn't need a forbidden tree. Why should I have to pay the consequence for the one who did? Because God sets things up where people operate on behalf of other people. You may remember that in uh, Matthew chapter 8, when the centurion comes to Jesus, saying, my, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy. Jesus said, I'll come lay hands on him and heal him. And the centurion says, you don't have to do that. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. I know what authority is like. I have servants under me and soldiers under me, and I tell them to do something, and they do it. He said, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Now, in Luke's account of that same experience, it wasn't even the centurion that went to Jesus. It was his servant that went on behalf of his master, the centurion. According to Luke, according to eyewitness testimony, the centurion never did even show up, never did even meet Jesus. But he sent one acting on his behalf. And that's another wrinkle or attribute of man's authority here on the earth or how dominion and authority work on the earth. Because one can operate on behalf of another as their agent. Well, Adam was the federal head of mankind. He was God's original creation. So when Adam sinned, it was just the same as you sinned. It doesn't mean that you did sin. That's why that word have is a little misleading. All have sinned. Well, that's certainly true. But not all have committed the, the original sin that the consequence came upon mankind as a result. So God has a system whereby one designated by himself, God, can operate on behalf of all of mankind. When Adam reaped the result or the consequence of his disobedience, which was spiritual death, the light on the inside of him went out. The presence of God departed from him. He became spiritually dead, and that spiritual death is what passed on to mankind. That's why it's so important that Jesus was born of a virgin. It, folks, if you go and uh, I don't know if this kind of stuff interests you, but if you go and look at some of the writings of the early church fathers, first and second century into the, uh, the church age, you'll find out that one of the major things that they talked about, one of the major things, the main things that they spoke about was the virgin birth. See, if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he could not have bypassed spiritual death. He would have been born into the earth and come to the age of accountability, just like the rest of us. And he would have partaken of spiritual death, which would have made him an unworthy sacrifice for mankind. He had to be born of a virgin. Now, you'll hear things every now and then where people will say, or churches will say, or ministers will say, well, the virgin birth is not that important of an issue. And you couldn't be more wrong. 
It is the issue. I know some people are uncomfortable believing it because they're so used to going by what they see in their field. And I don't even put, them, put people down for that. I can understand where they're coming from. But if Jesus was not born of a virgin, he did not bypass spiritual death coming into this earth. And he couldn't have been a worthy sacrifice, a holy sacrifice for you and for me. Now, because it works like this, I want you to turn back with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 tells us, gives us the first information that we have about when spiritual death began to rule on the earth. Now, we know chapter 3 tells us about how that Satan took on himself the form of a serpent. He had to have some kind of physical form to have access into the earth because man was created to dominate here in the earth. Man was given a physical body which is the sign of authority here on the earth. And so if Satan's going to operate in any way to accomplish his agenda, he's going to have to have some kind of physical form. Well, there were no people present for him to use or utilize. He could not break the, the protective barrier that the life of God, the nature of God provides for us. So he took upon himself the form of a serpent, tempted Eve, talked her into doing what God told him not to do. Adam was right there with her. He listened to her voice instead of the voice of God. And there's a lesson to be learned in that. Thank God for godly wives. Well, you don't have to choose between listening to your wife and listening to God. But as a result of their disobedience, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they saw they were naked and they were ashamed. I believe that's a reference to the light of God, the glory of God that clothed them, departing from them. And it tells us that God comes and talks to him about it. He pronounces a, a, a curse upon the serpent. He says, curse shall be the ground for your sake. And he delivers the consequences. He tells them, here's the consequence of spiritual death that you've entered into through disobedience. So in chapter 4 of Genesis, it tells us the next thing that happens after the fall. Verse 1, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now I want you to notice something here, folks. They weren't twins. So you've got a period of time we don't know how long. But you've got a period of time taking place between Cain's birth and Abel's birth. So this is not just bang, 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 bang. But I want you to notice something. Did you notice in verse 1 it starts with the word and? Here's something not, not many of us know about the, uh, or not many people know about the Hebrew language, particularly the, the five books of Moses which make up the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But here's, a, here's something that may help you to understand certain things about the Old Testament. And that's this. There's a Hebrew letter. It's not even a word, but there's a Hebrew letter that translates into the English, and. Now, and is always, and every time it's there, particularly at the beginning of a verse, it's God who dictated these truths to Moses, who made a copy of them to save for us. It's God talking about the continuity of a story. 
Now, in the five books of Moses, the first five books of our Bible, 65% of Scripture starts with the word and. Now, when you get to the prophets, that's not the same percentage. It's a lesser percentage. It's only 40%. And here's what that means. It means that if you want to read the story of Jonah, you don't have to read the story of Amos, or you don't have to read Joel's letters to the church, to the, to the people of Israel. You can get the story, a standalone story, from the prophets. But if you're going to read the book of Genesis, you're supposed to read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy too. Because it's a continuity, it makes a complete story. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, you know as well as I do that none of us sit down and read that much at one time. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's what's required. What I am saying is the, the, uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, give us a complete story of God's dealing with the Jews, dealings with Israel. Chapter 4 of Genesis is a pretty good example. Notice how many times it starts with and. Verse 1, and Adam knew Eve his wife. Verse 2, and she bear, again bare his brother Abel. Verse 3, and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And on and on and on. Now I want to read some of the rest of this story. So let's keep going here in verse 4. It says, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and, his, and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? What are you upset about? And why is thy countenance falling? If you do well, shall, not th shall thou not be accepted? In other words, he's saying, If you do what I told you to do, wouldn't I accept you just like I did your brother? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. There are other translations that are a little better with it than uh, the English, the King James English. Several translations say something like, sin lies at the door with the desire to control you, but you must learn to control it. It's talking about having dominion over sin. The presence of sin is there, but we're supposed to exercise dominion over that sin. Verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And God responded, What hast thou done? 
The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Now, folks, there's a lot we don't know about this story. There's no way for us to fix a timeline on it. But there are certain things that we, we have to recognize and understand. First of all, there's not just four people on the earth, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. He talks about going different places and people, everyone that he comes in contact with will want to slay him because of his wrongdoing. So what this story has to be telling us then, what we can conclude from what we do know, is that this is what God wanted us to know next, following the fall of man, in showing how, according to Romans 5.12, spiritual death passed upon all men. Let me find it and read it again. Verse 11, And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. That indica indicates a change to me, doesn't it, you? And that was, that, that was Cain's thing. He was a farmer. But now because of his own action, he's not going to be as good a farmer. Can you understand how the Bible is trying to give you the story in the way that it is? He's trying to identify. These are the important points. It's certainly not everything that happened. And the story is not wrapped up in just three or four chapters. These are things that went for long periods of time, apparently. Because there are cities in other places that Cain will, will visit. There are peoples or tribes of peoples that he's concerned about once they find out about him and what he's done. They'll try to kill him or slay him. And another interesting point before we finish with this one, is notice that Abel's blood spoke. Let me find it again and read it to you. He asked where your brother is. Verse 9, the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? Cain answered and said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Notice verse 10. And God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood The blood speaks, folks. The voice of your brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And because of that, he was cursed from the earth. Or his time in the earth was cursed. Blood always speaks. 
In this case, Abel's blood spoke against Cain. But in our case, the blood of Jesus speaks for us. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Just like Paul wrote. Now, there's another place that the Bible talks about being in someone else or someone's actions counting for you. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 7. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, I want you to notice something, folks. It says that Abraham did it willingly. It was not required. And this is the thing that makes the tithe outside the law. See, a lot of people want to say the tithe is a part of the law. Well, it's not. It didn't start because of the law. It was entered into by Abraham hundreds of years before the law of Moses ever came around. Now, the law of Moses codifies how the tithe is to be made. But the tithe started way, 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 way before the law. So the tithe is a memorial. It's something that Abraham chose to do, not because he was commanded. It was something that he chose to do to honor God because of God's grace and his mercy upon him, because of the blessing of God that was upon his life. And the Bible talks about Abraham being our father of the faith. It talks about how we are to follow his example. Well, we follow his example on believing God. Why shouldn't we follow his example on honoring God? And that's what the tithe is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a command. When we understand that God looks on the heart and not on the outside appearance, it's not just the action of writing a check for 10% of your income. But it's the heart that Abraham had to, to honor God. That's when the tithe works, when we honor God with it. Well, let me start again. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother. Now, I want you to look at the... the uh, type of Jesus this is, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better or the greater. It's saying Melchizedek was greater than Abraham who had a covenant with God. Now, folks, there's things we don't know about this story, too. Who was Melchizedek? It's easy to say it was a pre... Well, I won't use that word. It's easy to say this was Jesus appearing unto Abraham before he was born into the earth. 
but it calls him a man. How could he be a man without father and mother or descent? I don't have the answers, folks. Just things for us to consider. And he was obviously greater than Abraham or else his blessing wouldn't have stood for anything. It would have been of no worth or value. The lesser cannot break, bless the, the greater. It's always the greater that pronounces the blessing on the lesser. Verse 8, and here men that die receive tithes. So tithing was still going on at that point in time when Paul wrote the letter. We know it was before the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed because there's no mention made of any of Paul's writings or any of the others. But notice Paul does not say concerning verse 8 that people are wasting their time bringing tithes because we're saved by grace. He said, here men that die receive tithes. There's no way it would be impossible for tithing to be contrary to God's plan and purpose and the Holy Ghost not make mention of it here. So he says, here men that die receive tithes, but there he, Jesus, receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Notice verse 9, and as I may so say, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Here's another example of where something was counted, in this case, for, Abra for Levi's good, for his benefit, because he was in Abraham who paid tithes. It's a recurring theme, folks. Sin, spiritual death passed upon all men because of Adam's sin, because all men, all of mankind was in Adam. Even those that had already been born when he fell, they were in Adam as well. Here it talks about Levi being in Abraham, Abraham's action of honoring God by giving tithes to Melchizedek stood for all of Israel because Levi's don't play, the Levites don't pay tithes. The Levites lived off of the tithes and the offerings of the people. But through Abraham, they're blessed just as if they had offered their own tithes. You see the point he's making? Turn with me now to Romans chapter 5. Verse 17. For if, literally since, for since by one man's offense, talking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden again, remember it was verse 12 that we found out by one man's sin entered the world, talking about Adam, and death passed upon all men because of it. For if by one man's offense, death, spiritual death, reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ by one, Jesus Christ. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. When Jesus went to the cross, he became man's substitute. His earthly life, his earthly ministry, show him to be an example for a righteous man operating in the earth. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.